open up your books, you bad apples. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the Bad Apple Book Club. <laughs> yeah, today we Lucas just don't Nord. have any uh, content, so uh, well, come I, back next week. I don't know, man. Welcome to the Bad Apple Book Club. I'm Lucas Nord. And I'm Cole Lang. And, um, Cole, how are you? Just give it to me straight. Last week, we had a little confusion. You said you couldn't complain, but you ended up complaining. Let's just, I mean, don't beat around the bush this time, all right? You know, I'm having fun. Having fun this week. I got the new Call of Duty Cold War. It's And uh, tell me that you got that new PlayStation. Please, I've asked 15 people and none of them have it yet. Tell me you got the new PlayStation. Cold, please tell me. Well, it's... It's not in stock. What? Uh, I don't. Even, I don't think that they are selling it yet in Europe. But ooh. Um. So if you know a guy, just tell him to send me one, and I can start a little <laughs> little market here of my own. Oh, genius! Yeah. Black market PlayStation Five sales. Yeah, because you know, just living purely off the podcast revenue. Um, it's, it's tough. <laughs> you eat a lot of lentils. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I haven't really ate for like a week. Um, it's, but you know, I do it for we, the pod. We call that the Raskolnikov diet. <laughs> Very true. Um, uh, now after, after, uh, the groundbreaking beginning of our series, The Catcher in the Rye, last week we... We're introduced to a uh, Holden Caulfield, and he's a real cynical 16-year-old, and he's always smoking, and he's got everyone figured out, and everything's depressing as hell, and, uh, you know, he just can't find his way in life. Everything is phony, nothing is grand, and people who say grand, you know, they're just, they're the biggest phonies of them all. But we were introduced to this guy, and he finally left old Pensy right at the end of part one and that's where we're picking up today with part two of jd salinger's catcher in the ride the journey did you have anything did did you did you have any uh knowledge you wanted to drop on us here before we got started cole yeah he said it pretty good he you know wasn't feeling pensy old pensy not a fan no sir he uh, before he left, he went to go talk to his history teacher, uh, Mr. Spenny, Spencer. Old Spencer. Yep. Old guy that kind of just disgusted him. Um, and then... Wearing that robe he was born in. Yeah. And exposed his bumpy chest. Ugh. Yep. Uh, picking his nose. Um, Throwing magazines. Dropping chalk. <laughs> dropping Old chalk. Spencer. Yep. Old Spenny, um, and then we were introduced to his roommates. Well, just kind of the people that he hangs out with or lives around, Stradlater and Ackley. Yeah, uh, Stradlater being the the secret slob, the 
you know, tall, dark, and handsome guy, but uh, under the surface, he's got a razor blade full of old hair and you know, shaving cream he didn't wash off and stuff like that. He's just kind of gross, and Ackley doesn't even try to hide being a slob because he's in the room with Holden for two minutes before he starts, like, clipping his toenails with a pair of scissors. <laughs> yeah, such a unique choice to cut your toenails. Um, yes, but, <laughs> uh, I agree. Yeah, yep, and... This, this book must have come out before the invention of the toenail clipper, I would think. Was this was this one from the early 1800s? I forget. When was when was J.D. Salinger alive? <laughs> uh, well, you know, he was born in the 1900s. Uh, oh, oh yeah, the whole World War II thing. Yep, and oh, he lost his innocence okay. in the war, See, remember? that That's embarrassing. It's okay. It's all right. You know, th- this is what recaps are for. Uh, but yeah, and the Stradlater, he's a hunk, and he's he's seeing a girl that Holden cares deeply about, old Jane Gallagher. Uh, Stradlater can't even get the name night right. He calls her Jean. But, you know, at, at the end of this, Holden, he's just had enough, and he's ready to go to the outside world, and he's going to go to New York. So ah. it'll be fun. Yes, I'm excited for this particularly because uh, I haven't read a book taking place in a setting like this. And on top of it all, you know, J.D. Salinger can just paint such an interesting picture with words. New York, it feels feels like I know the city already. You know, I could go there and I'll go to old Ernie's <laughs> and... Pop myself yeah, down. <laughs> Just watch yeah. out for old Maurice, all right? <laughs> Maurice, we've had a few run-ins, but uh, he's done <laughs> $10 now. a throw, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, he does Without further job. ado, though, I suppose. If Part you wouldn't two. mind... If you wouldn't mind whisking us away. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we're already <laughs> recording, so... We I'll sure just, are. I'll just hop in here. We're picking off right where Holden said, Good night, you bastards. Uh, right when he left Pensy. And you bunch of morons. Oh, you morons. Yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> or was it just was it just either way? No, it was a morons. lot of fun. Yep. Um and he decides to walk to the train station. And while he's doing this, he pulls down his red hunting cap saying quote i didn't give a damn how i looked and once he gets there you know he's still bloody from the fight with strad later so he, mm-hmm. he takes some snow and you know washes his face off and then he enters the train and he sits down and cue the cue the sexy music because Whoa. <laughs> Um, because there's an attractive woman in her 40s that sits next to Holden. She notices Holden's Pensy Prep suitcase and asks if he knows her son. Uh, <laughs> Ernest Morrow. <laughs> okay, one thing that I'd like to say real quick that I wish I mentioned in the first episode, um, and a theme that we're going to see through the whole book is, this one is just full of weird names. Stradlater, Ackley... Morrow, Caulfield, you know, that's just, that's uh, something I wanted to stick a pin in because I have not heard a lot of these first or last names uh, in particular. 
until I read this book. And I don't know if they're all completely fictional or what, but I mean, you know, I'm sure they exist out there somewhere. Yeah, well, that's Pensy for you. You got a bunch of got a bunch of phony names. Yeah, that's cool. Hmm. Pensy. Yep. So this uh, this lady, she's like, "Oh, do you know my son?" And Holden's like, "Yeah, I, I know old Ernest." Um, but he thinks to himself, "Quote: Her son was doubtless the biggest bastard that ever went to Pensy." In the whole crummy history of the school, he was always going down the corridor after he had had a shower, snapping his soggy old wet towel at people's asses. Ernest. Yeah. So this lady, she's like, oh, do you know my angel of a son? And then, you know, Holden's like, yeah, he whipped me with his soggy wet towel. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of his thing. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but, you know. That's Ernest. That is pretty weird. And so the mom is like, oh, maybe I know you. And she asks for his name. And he says that it's Rudolf Schmidt. Uh, but it just happens to be the name of the janitor at Pensy. So once again, Holden, compulsive liar. And another interesting name. Yeah. Old Rudy. Ah, Rudy. That's fun. Yep. Uh, just don't let him book... Uh, campaign events. Uh, we'll Nothing. save it. We'll, we'll save it for the crowd. Um, <laughs> uh, if you paid attention to the <laughs> election, you might know what I'm talking about. <laughs> hmm. Uh, he. Oh, okay. Okay. He. Uh, I know. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For the uninitiated, uh, Rudy, Trump's campaign lawyer. Tried to book a hotel called the oh, Four yep, Seasons. Oh, yeah, I heard about this. But then he booked it at a local landscaping firm. And once they arrived to the Four Seasons, it was already booked out. So they had to drive like 40 minutes outside of Philly and uh, do a press conference out there. But I uh, Yes, I did see the pictures and everything. You're refreshing my memory. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, the mom, she is worried that her boy doesn't adopt well with other guys because, well, she thinks her son is kind of sensitive. Um, And then so Holden, he thinks this quote, sensitive, that killed me. That guy, Moro, was about as sensitive as a toilet seat. (laughs) Um, That's a very good quote. And if I may say again. We're seeing this quote that probably takes up uh, half of the book just with how often Holden says it when he says, that killed me. And we're seeing more of that over-exaggeration you mentioned in the last episode, but it's just, everything's always killing him, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this depressed me. Oh, this killed me. Yep, that killed me. Sensitive. (laughs) Yep, but... Sensitive as a toilet seat. (laughs) So he's not sensitive? <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, not. I don't know. Toilet seats, they could have a lot of emotion. I don't know. Who's, yeah, who's holding to say, you know? Yeah, he, he, he doesn't know. He doesn't know hmm. the toilet seats uh, everyday struggle. No. You know? No. <laughs> oh. And what a struggle it is. Yeah. Holden, he goes on to say that her boy is, you know, pretty pretty popular just to, like, fluff him up. And mm. 
And then Holden says, you know, I thought your son was kind of snobbish at first, but then he turned out he he wasn't too bad. And then, like, as he's doing this, he's, like, almost laughing because his mom is like, oh, my son, <laughs> I thought that he was an outcast at Old Pensy, <laughs> but he's actually doing quite well. Ah, <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> And then Holden doesn't stop there. And then he says, <laughs> but he's, he just says like, uh, I had her glued to her seat. Like she was in for a ride and like, you know, I was, <laughs> I was the narrator. <laughs> then he says that the whole class wanted old, old Ernie to, uh, be the class president and they all nominated him. And then he said, quote, he refused. He didn't tell you. Uh, and then the mom is like, <laughs> nope. And then Holden responds and he's like, that's Ernie. That's one fault with him. He's too shy and he's too modest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, this is just a good exchange between these two characters in the book. But it's also just strange because um, as Holden mentions, he just has a real good time lying out of nowhere sometimes. And, you know, it's probably mostly when he's with phonies, but everyone's phony, so who's to say when he is and isn't lying, you know? But this is just very blatant. He's just taking this lady for a ride for no real particular reason. Just the reason. fun of it. <laughs> yeah, right? And I guess it isn't really hurting anything, but it's still kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it just makes you think, like, my mom's always like, oh, Cole, the way the students talked about you uh, at, at the after-school conference, nothing but good <laughs> things, and it just makes yeah. you wonder, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Everyone was calling me a nerd to my face during class. I don't know. So, <laughs> well, haven't you heard that uh, that saying before? Your friends will say bad things to your face and good things behind your back. <sighs> I, wish it, I wish it wasn't true. <laughs> Jk, Jk. Um, but so, um, Holden, you know, being the the guy this adult he wants to portray himself as he asks if he wants to get some drinks or if she wants to get some drinks and she's like um you're a bit too young and asks well why are you out of school so early because pensy doesn't get out until like another week until christmas because christmas is coming up like soon he says quote i have to have this operation it isn't very serious. I have this tiny little tumor on the brain. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yep. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to have this huge operation and like, you know, kind of upsets her. She's like, oh, oh god. Uh, but her stop comes up and she gets off the train and she's like, Hey, so once you get your tumor operation, you should come down to the beach house in Massachusetts. And then uh, Holden, <laughs> he says, well, that's too bad because I'll be in South America with my grandma. <laughs> so, Good grief. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about right now? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just very odd, but still. A pretty humorous exchange. <laughs> he really, I don't know why he did it, but man, was he having a good time talking about old Ernie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was oh. too modest. His one fault, 
<laughs> he was too modest and shy. <laughs> oh gosh, he wouldn't, like accept a... the, he wouldn't accept the crown for being class president. <laughs> yeah, it's like taking the most uh, like. Um, you know, show-offy guy in the whole school and then being like, oh, he's actually an introvert. And, you know, he just hates attention. And, uh, (laughs) you you know, he's just too great. He's too great. (laughs) Everyone loves him. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, it was very interesting, you know. But it it is funny because he says about his grandma that um, obviously he's not going to South America. But... He says that his grandma, he doesn't even think she's left the house. So, like, the (laughs) fact that uh, he said that lie was pretty funny. Yep. So, he eventually gets off at Penn Station in New York, and it's pretty late. And he thinks about calling his brother DB, uh, the one in Hollywood who he thinks is a prostitute because he's writing for Hollywood right now. Uh, Very strange use of the word prostitute by Holden there. And once again, I assume very controversial when the book came out. I'd imagine too. Yeah, lots of his languages. And this book has been, it's been banned in many school districts, especially during that time. I don't know about now though, but I always thought that's a weird concept, like banning books. He thinks about his brother and... His little sister, Phoebe, uh, who he admires a lot. Uh, but this is one of the first mentions of her. Of her. She still lives with um, her parents, obviously. His parents as well. And so, like, Holden wants to call her, but he knows he would have to talk to his parents, which he doesn't have a good relationship with now because, well, he's flunking out of school and wasting, like, all their money. They're pretty well off. And then he thinks about talking to Jane and then a girl named Sally. But her mother says that Holden is, quote, wild and has no direction in life. So, yeah, he doesn't want to call her either. Otherwise, he'd have to talk to the mom. (laughs) I guess we don't particularly have any instances of him being wild that i can think of but uh i mean she's not exactly wrong about the no direction in life thing yeah but still kind of a weird thing to uh an excuse for your kid not to hang out with somebody people especially come at this up age. with excuses people will come up with excuses for anything these days yep. <laughs> and in 1951 <laughs> Yep, my parents still won't let me hang out with people, you know? They say, yep. oh, they're too wild. Yep. Yep. But yeah, I, I don't know. And, and the way I would say maybe more rebellious this lady thinks about Holden than wild, you know, just kind of standoffish. Um, right. But yeah, so he's thinking about this, and he's in the telephone booth for about 20 minutes before he decides to call up a cab. It's cold out, you know. He's just—he's really taking his sweet time, and it's winter in Manhattan. It, it is cold, but the fact that you know he was going over calling somebody for twenty minutes, right, is uh, shows a lot. Um, yes, it does. He get, he gets a, into the cab that he calls. He, you know, finger quote, accidentally gives his home address because his parents do live in New York. 
he's like, oh, scratch that, scratch that. I don't want to go home, actually, but really I do. Uh, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, then <he> t- <laughs> and then he just tells him uh, that the address to this hotel he's going to stay at. So he mentioned it before, but uh, he asks the cab driver if he knows where the ducks go when the lake in Central Park freezes over. And... <laughs> This isn't going to be the last time he's going to ask this question, but... <laughs> and get interesting results. Yep. <laughs> but the cab drivers always get angry. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you can always count on that. And, well, this cab driver does get angry at this. <laughs> like, irrationally angry. And says, <laughs> what are you trying to do, bud? Kid me? <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> the driver asks, well, w- where he's going. And like uh, Holden just says, like, oh, just give me a hotel that's not in my neighborhood because I'm incognito. And then <laughs> very uh, Holden like thing to say. Yeah. So he's in the back of the car. <laughs> he's like, oh, don't worry about it. Uh, I just don't want my friends to see me. Uh, pulls down, pulls <laughs> down the brim of his hat and puts on his sunglasses. Yep. <laughs> but <laughs> it's ironic because when he says I'm incognito, he also says like I hate that word. It's phony. So <laughs> it's just like what are you doing? But eventually the driver brings him to the Edmont Hotel and Holden is like, "Hey buddy, I know you got really angry about the question earlier, but do you want to get a, a drink?" <laughs> and then he says Nah, kid, not tonight. <laughs> and then, <laughs> but he says it like even more angry. He's like, no, and just kind of like speeds off. And then Holden says, quote, he was certainly good company, terrific personality. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm excited for our actual discussion episode of this so we can really dig deep into each one of these interactions, you know, after viewing them all in hindsight together. But I just wanted to ask, is there anything specific you gleam from this here? You mentioned how Holden um, describes the word incognito as phony and uses it. Uh, Was there anything else like that? Or was that like maybe, uh, did you have some specific thoughts on that you wanted to share just with this specific back and forth here with the angry cab driver? The driver here is like super angry for no reason. Uh, but Holden, him saying like, oh, I don't want to be seen or anything. You know, he's trying to run away from something. But, you know, he'll realize that it's his own loneliness that he's trying to run away from. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting because New York is obviously a big city and everything. And it's full of people, but he still feels very lonely you know, he's trying to deal with, well, some problems that are going to arise here. Mentally. Very similar. Once again, if I may make a call back, very similar to our Raskolnikov in St. Petersburg. Yeah. The, the, the lonely man in the big city. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Like, New York, the way he, or just the way the... The places he goes to doesn't really paint it in a good light, just like uh, St. Petersburg, you know, it was a very dirty city. Yep. 
Yep. Um, and yeah, one specific thing that is interesting reading the book here is even though New York is so full of life, um, and Manhattan in particular, I suppose, or whatever, he does uh, still mention, you know, when he's walking all by himself and, you know, no one's around, he's the only guy within 10 square miles of the street or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, he's like, oh, New York will fix my loneliness. But it doesn't. <laughs> oh. Uh, unfortunately. Yep. So he he still has his red cap on when he's in the cab because if you'll notice, he'll do it in like when there's maybe one or two people in the room, but he doesn't really do it, you know, in a public place. And so once he gets to the hotel, he takes off his red cap, uh, but he regrets it because he thinks that uh, the hotel is filled with perverts and morons. Hmm. Yep. He might and, be right. You know, there might be some here. So he is brought up to his room by a 65-year-old 60, bell, well, bellboy, bellman, I guess. Yeah, that is much <laughs> more of a bellman. Thank you. Good observation. Bell grandpa. <laughs> yes. Okay, there we go. That one's on the money, I think. And... He says about him, quote, he was even more depressing than the room was, end quote. Depressing. Yeah. Depressed the hell out of me. Yep. <laughs> uh, you should have seen him. Uh, yep. You know, he berates the guy in his head for his comb over, and he's like, could you imagine getting paid that much at his age? And it's just like, dude, you haven't even stepped into life yet, like, uh, Yep. <laughs> you have no place to judge. And once again, just like, um, was it old Spencer's house that makes a uh, hold and mention how maybe the place was a little run down or something, which showed us, uh, shows us that he comes from a lavish lifestyle with parents that, uh, have a little more money than your average people. Or I forget the specific example, but once again, he's just thinking about all that dough. Yep. Yep. He definitely knows. Well, he definitely looks down on a lot of people, and especially for, like, these service workers. Um, you know, this guy's just doing a service for him, but that's all he can yep. think about. Yep. Um, but once he gets to his room, he observes other people's rooms from his window, kind of like rear window uh, that we mentioned earlier, the movie, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Uh, um, have you watched that one in that film class of yours? I did, yes. That was good. And... Uh, good one, huh? Yeah, I, I want to watch all of Alfred Hitchcock's stuff here. Uh, I, I've been meaning good. to watch. I've been meaning to watch that and Vertigo for a long time. Maybe I actually will this weekend. There you go. Weekend plans. Very nice. Safe, pandemic safe. You could say. Yep. Yes, sir. Pandemic approved. We'll call it. Yep. <laughs> Uh, just not COVID approved. COVID uh, doesn't. Well, they want to get to you, but you're not going to let them. Yeah. 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 I yep. mean, that's the plan. Yep. That is the plan. Good plan, too. <laughs> yep. Uh, this has been a PSA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, this uh, episode has been sponsored by the WHO. Uh, um, thank you. Yeah. Just uh, be safe. Yes, please, please. Yeah, like, he's looking at these people, and one guy is just, you know, he's cross-dressing. Nothing wrong with it, but Holden, really judgmental and thinks it's disgusting. 
And in another room, a couple, now this was kind of weird. They're just like spitting mouthfuls of like some kind of alcoholic drink into each other's mouths. Like they're just going like, and going back and forth. Um, (laughs) Which uh, I don't know what's going on there, but to each their own. But you know, it's this hotel just kind of seems to be where people go to get their kinks. Um, oh yes, and maybe even hold it. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But when he witnesses this act, he says, "Because you know it is kind of sexual, kind of kinky." Uh, yep. Holden says, "Quote: I'm probably the biggest sex maniac you ever saw. Sometimes I can think of very crummy stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't mind doing if the opportunity ever came up." End quote. <laughs> So very interesting way to describe yourself. Yeah. First off, yep. Lots to break down here. Sex maniac. Yep. Okay. Yep. Sex maniac. But you're um, a virgin. Maybe. Yep. Uh, Mr. Holden Caulfield will explain to us that though he is a sex maniac that can think of some crummy stuff. Not only are we going to be made privy to that fact, but uh, I mean, he might try to do something to change it later. And once again, a bad apple callback. Sex maniac. What? Are we still covering the hellbound heart? I mean, am I wrong? <laughs> Frank Cotton. Frank, anyone? is that you? <laughs> Thanks for listening to that series, if you listen to it, by the way. Very fun. Very fun. But yeah, I thought crummy was a very fun way to say uh, sexy. Um, uh, I'm going to start using yeah. that from now on. Oh, you think that he's using the word crummy to describe sexy? I think so. Sometimes I can think of very crummy stuff. Uh, what am well, I doing? Ha- the... Haven't you heard someone describe like uh, like an old building as crummy? Or uh... like, you know, I don't know, man. I don't think that he's, uh, I don't think that he, I mean, you could start using that in a sexual way. You might just need to explain it to people. But hey, man. Uh, every phrase started somewhere, you know? Who was the first guy that said kill two birds with one stone? Uh, J.D. Salinger. Whoa! <laughs> this has been a, this has been a bad Apple, uh, book club, uh, you know, <laughs> fact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one rolled right off the tongue, too. Wow, that one's gotta stay in. That one's gotta stay in. <laughs> Yeah, uh, scratch that. No, I have no idea where it came from, <laughs> but that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty cool. I bet this, yeah. I mean, if nothing else, this book certainly started a few trends. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. Um, but uh, so, like, uh, he talks about a few women he's made out with, uh, and one he, he says, uh, quote, boy, was she crummy. So I really do think that crummy he's using to describe as sexy. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to leave this one up to the people. Well, Uh, this is okay. I've talked about dividing the listenership, all five or ten people of them. I've talked about dividing them before, but we will officially break this down between the Luke boys and the Cole heads. Are you a crummy boy? Or a sexy boy. <laughs> yeah, okay, there we go. Yep, yep, yep. That's, uh, I'm glad that I get the bad one. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, Holden, the thing is, 
he failed to have sex with her. Um, and so he, he does say this where, you know, he'll be making out with the girl, but, uh, once the girl says like, you know, stop, he stops, which awesome. But he compares it to Strad later who does not stop. And, you know, he kind of forces himself onto women and it's just not right. So Holden, uh, thank you for listening. Yes. Um, yeah, but so it, you know he's he's struggling for his with his sexual image, and you know after all this stuff, he's like, yeah, I thought about sex, I thought about you know Trojan condoms, all this stuff, and then he says, yep. "quote Sex is something I just don't understand. I swear to God, I don't." End quote. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's kind of like Ackley, where Ackley, you know, tells a lot of stories about sex, but you know he's never done it. <laughs> and once again. Holden sitting there like, oh, Ackley, that that turd, you know, talking like he knows what he's talking about. And then you got Holden before he tells his history past of sexual encounters. He goes, oh, I'm a real sex maniac, you know, like that's, just, <laughs> that's kind of my thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just can't <laughs> stop Ackley, thinking about it. Yep. Ackley's the phony, though. We'll see that, you know, like he thinks Ackley is lonely. Well, Holden, he's just as lonely. So, you ah, know, he's got that again, that view on people like where he thinks he's better sometimes. Very nice observation. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, you know, after witnessing this act of these two people spitting something on each other, uh, yeah. he's feeling pretty frisky. And oh. <laughs> he decides <laughs> to call a girl that was at a dance at Princeton one time, never said hi to her or anything. It's just one of his friends brought her. And uh, yeah, her friend or his friend gave her Holden's number, gave Holden her number. Uh, okay. But they, they've never talked. Um, he just saw her at a dance once and, well, she almost got kicked out because she was basically the equivalent of a stripper. Huh. Which is like, well, there goes the party when she left. Um, kind of interesting to bring the equivalent of a stripper to your high school dance. Exactly. Like, Holden, it is like maybe like 3 a.m. We just know it's early in the morning, like, or late at night, you know, 2, 3 a.m. And so he decides to call this lady and it wakes her up. And he says in a deep voice, quote, I hope you will forgive me, but uh, I was very anxious to get in touch with you. I'm a friend of Eddie's. We ought to get a get together for a cocktail or two. Uh, wow. End quote. Very. Maybe. Oh, my God. Last week we were talking about who would play Holden Caulfield if they made a movie of it. And we were talking about famous people. But I think that we missed the perfect man for it right here. And he's half of this podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you. Um, I mean, wow. A breakout performance. Yeah. I've been called the Gary uh, Newman uh well, was not that... Gary, Gary Oldman of okay, my that's time. What I was. Okay, <laughs> but I'm the new man. 
Okay, I wasn't sure if that's what you were trying to say or if that's what you... I'm still very confused, but very good. Thank you, um, thank you. Very good. Yep. Very diverse. I can do podcasts. I can do voice acting. I can maybe do acting. Um, just can't Weren't sing. you in a play or something? I was in a couple plays. And you know what? Plays are very fun. I, I, had, a, I had a blast. I, I played a, like a high school bully... And uh, for anyone that doesn't know me, um, that was I was not really a bully in high school at all. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I was just the funny guy, maybe. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't right, make anyway, your jokes. Moving on with, moving on with the show. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll let him live in his fantasy world, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, like, Holden, he's trying to put the moves on this lady and just, like, asks her to, for drinks, Never has never met her. And uh, she she says back, like, oh, um, how's that? How's that? You know, because she's, she's just waking up. And uh, this this is certainly a peculiar time to call a, a person up, though. Jesus Christ. <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> <laughs> and then Holden, you know, he just says, uh, Holden Caulfield. And, Tell uh, him the truth. Yeah, for once. Um, so she says back, well, look, Mr. Caulfield, I'm a working gal. I, I got to get my beauty sleep. And uh, she's just like, I could get cocktails tomorrow. And then Holden says, you know, he hears this and he just kind of reacts really fast. He's like, oh, I'm busy tomorrow. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And then but he's really not busy. <laughs> he's just scared. Uh, he, I I'm, uh, I suppose, you know, we should probably finish off the um, finish off the whole exchange here before I launch into my personal dissection of it. But uh, it's almost like he, you know, called her up at three in the morning because he didn't really want to make plans at all or something like that. Exactly. I mean, you know, very strange. Yep. He he doesn't uh, follow through. He um, does not expect her to try to remake plans. So he's like, whoa, I mean, <laughs> I'm a very busy man. Yeah. I actually prefer being lonely and being in this yep. uh, kind of uh, unstable mental state. Thank you. I have a lot of sulking to do tomorrow, thank you. Yep. After this whole thing, he says, Boy, I really fouled that up. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's all right. You can use the F-bomb, but I guess that would have been too controversial. I don't know. We'll see it used in the book a time or two, Yeah, I, I was just going to say, especially at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so... You know, it, it's important to keep in mind. I didn't really realize this until, like, I went through the book again. But this is still the same night uh, from the first part. So this is, like, a super – this is, like, half of the book. Uh, and it's just, like, yes. one night. And, you know, I'm not sure that this is so – I don't think that this is such a crazy thing to say. But um, this whole book is just – a f what two or three days in a row leading up to the end of the book and that was something that i didn't realize about it until a while in too where 
we're just going to see that he is just having an action-packed couple of days. You know what I mean? Like, you know, many books, they're like, uh, they take breaks. You know, this happened weeks later, you know, days after the original debacle. This happened, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. But Holden is just, he uh, left Pensy, and this is the road he's on now, and we're just going to be in the sidecar the whole time. Yeah, like... It just keeps building and building and building and it doesn't really let up like no. Yeah. And, you know, he's going to continue his adventures, but yeah, it just keeps on building. Um, Yeah. Like it's still the same night and he's like, you know what? I got nothing else to do. I can't I can't really sleep. I'm just going to go out to the club. And oh, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, no better place to go when you're on the verge of a of a breakdown. He thinks about calling his younger sister Phoebe, but decides not to because it's late and even if he hangs up and doesn't say anything and his parents answer, he knows his mom would know, well, it's holding that cult. Like she just has like this supernatural sense of about her. And um, maybe he's kind of got a uh, trend of doing that perhaps yeah kind of yeah exactly like it, it just shows that he half commits to these things and then uh, gotta hang up mom yep. mom picked up the phone yeah he's just kind of dipping his toes and so he he describes phoebe and says that she is 10 has red hair just like Allie, uh his late brother and is just like super smart and affectionate, but he says that maybe she's too affectionate to the point where she's too emotional and it's holding. So you'd really don't know. She, you know, she's lost. It it was her brother too, Allie. I'm sure that had an effect on why she's so emotional. Um, Right. But you know, it's holding and he doesn't really get that. (laughs) And so she already is, and here's another thing, like Holden says, oh, I hate the movies. I hate the movies. But he's kind of a movie critic. And his younger <laughs> sister is just 10 years old, but she knows like the good movies from the bad ones. So she loves 39 Steps by Hitchcock and she Ooh. can quote the whole movie like she knows every line. I-, I haven't seen that one yet. Have you? I first heard of it reading the book. Yeah. Same, but I guess it was like one of his first films uh, that, makes that sense. really took off. Because That makes sense because if the book came out in 51, um, I don't know that it would be called his breakout, and I don't even know if it was like, I don't even know where it is in um, Hitchcock's like filmography, but Psycho, you know, one of the most famous horror movies of all time, was released in 1960, so yeah. this was a good few years before, I mean, at least that one came out. He's, of course, got so many well-known movies that uh, it's kind of hard to say, you know, the most popular one didn't come out until whenever, but um, at least, you know, one of his big ones. Yeah, it was, uh, I just know it's a detective film, and I think it was still when he was in Great Britain producing movies. I don't think he came to the States yet. Okay. So, So... She seems like very mature for her age, which is like just a complete contrast to Holden. She's more mature than him. She could like honestly 
probably start life right now and be fine, but that can't be said about Holden. And she writes stories about a female detective named Hazel. And he says, quote, that kills me. I swear to God you'd like her. And he says this about 10 times when he's describing her. And it's like one page. Yep. Yep. So he loves his sister as well. Just like Allie. Nice to know that he loves someone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's very standoffish, but it does give him more of uh, humanity, you know, to his personality. So eventually Holden makes it down to the club and he is brought to a table in the very back. <laughs> um, and <laughs> That's this, where the exclusive tables are. Yeah. This happens almost every time like he tries to get served. <laughs> like they're like, ah, oh, put this young kid in the back so no one has to deal with him. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> he is disappointed by the singer and uh you know, he's just super judgmental about that. And everyone there is like pretty old, except for the table next to him, which has a bunch of like 30 year old ladies, give or take, that are from out of town. So he thinks one is pretty cute. And he starts, quote, giving her the old eye a little bit. Mm, <laughs> the so old just, eye. The old eye. So maybe just little winks or just kind of, you know. Um, staring without any emotion in your face from across the room and not breaking at all. Yeah. Who's to really say? Once again, we've talked about it before. The beauty of reading a book is that you get to invent the image in your head. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, But I wouldn't Mm. imagine it worked, whatever he did. (laughs) What? Uh... Me and you have two very different images of Holden. <laughs> Are we not both thinking of this guy as the, the smoothest-talking, <laughs> silver-tongued ladies' man you've ever heard of in all your life? He tries. Are we, are we? Yeah, he does. You know what? We can both agree on that. <laughs> yeah, he, he tries. Um, he is interrupted by the waiter, and he's asking him for a drink. And he tries to order a scotch and soda, and he says, like, Oh, that's all right, buddy boy. I'll get a scotch and soda. And like, you know, just so it seems like he's ordered at the bar before. Um, yeah. And the waiter still oh, you must him. be new here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. Sir. Tell, just tell, yeah, tell, tell the bartender Holden's here. I, uh, uh, I got a tab going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, 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 uh, you know, if he doesn't remember me, uh, the ladies got it. I'm part of their group. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's, yeah, so uh, the waiter still doesn't believe him. Um, and then he says, do I look like, and then Holden says, do I look like I'm under 21? And then uh, the guy's just like, sorry, sir. You know, it's it's a hotel policy. And then he's like, ah, just bring me a Coke, uh, which will Next do. Next best thing. Yep. And at this point in time, I think the cocaine was out, so uh, out of the drink. Uh, So there you go. A little history. Um, So that's good. We don't need Holden on that that crap. No. (laughs) Probably Uh, don't even need him on Coca-Cola. Or drinking. (laughs) Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yep. He definitely doesn't need to 
be drinking that sugar right before bed. Um, nope. But yeah, so Holden, he starts eyeing the table again, and then eventually he asks if the women want to dance. And they all laugh because he's pretty young and looks really out of place. And Harsh. yeah, he gets pretty, and you know, he's just like, I just want to dance because he does love dancing. He knows a good dancer from a bad dancer. and He's pretty good, I guess. And so he sees one cute lady and she, she decides to dance with him and Holden tries to talk to her the whole time. But she's just like, what? What'd you say? What, like he's like where are you from and she's like huh or just like straight up straight up ignores him uh Help. out of nowhere she says that her and her friend saw a movie star last night at the ballroom and then he says quote you're lucky you're really lucky you know that uh and then he's but in his head he's like yeah she's a freaking moron uh but, like, yeah, he's just trying to, like, talk to this lady, and she's just ignoring him, looking for a movie star, just completely infatuated with New York and, the, well, the stars that are there. Yep. Um, and so he continues to ask her questions, and she finally answers one and it does it, like, it as, a, as if it's a tour, you know? But yeah, like, when she finally does answer, it's, like, the biggest, it's the hardest thing she could ever do in her life after she answers the question like pretty rudely he says you know what you're good at conversations <laughs> just like the taxi driver um, <laughs> and then he sits with the, he sits down with them at their table like doesn't even get an invite just kind of forces himself there and then um mm. but the whole time they're still trying to spot movie stars Eventually, he dances with all of them, and they're all pretty good dancers, except for uh, Marty, which never heard the name for a girl. But <laughs> he says about Marty and her dance skills, quote, old Marty was like dragging around the Statue of Liberty around the floor. <laughs> huh. So just like maybe just like super stiff with her movements and like just didn't care. I don't know. But right. Holden, he lies about seeing a movie star, and he's like, "Oh, look at over there! There's there's Jimmy Stewart," uh, <laughs> and he's just like, <laughs> uh, totally lying. And and then one of them, like, once he gets back to the table, she's like, "Oh yeah, I saw Jimmy Stewart. He was right there. He was about to go film uh, Wonder. It's a Wonderful Life." Um, <laughs> and then that's all they talk about for the rest of the night. Was Jimmy Stewart the guy you were talking about? Was he the guy you were doing the impression of in the last episode? Oh, is she? Uh, yeah, that guy. That? Okay, yep, I thought so. Yeah, uh, the most famous movie actor in his time. Um, you know, I do give him crap for his movies, but there's just like... Okay, so there's like three movies he's in. It's called It's a Wonderful Life and like... John Doe, Mr. Smith goes to Washington and it's just like, you know, these feel good movies. And, but then eventually I didn't know this. He served in world war two and then he eventually starred in uh rear window, which was a good movie. So he did do some cool stuff and some cool movies that weren't just about like the perfect household life in the fifties. So, wow. 
these women, they just talk about that for the rest of the night. And Holden, he buys all their drinks for some reason, even though they treat him like crap the whole night. And he does regret it as he leaves. Oh, I can't believe I get to say this so much in this episode. Another callback. Raskolnikov burning uh, what little money he has on everything. And Holden's Holden's uh, dough in his pockets is actually quite substantial at this point in the book. But we're seeing that he's uh, buying everyone drinks and taking cabs here, there and everywhere. You know, he's only got so much dough. Yeah, yeah. And well, it's running out because, well, his parents, he's not going to visit them again. But yeah, it is kind of interesting. Like Raskolnikov, a lot of crime and punishment is just him running around St. Petersburg and like losing his mind. And this is kind of happening with Holden as well. More modern, but um, obviously a very different story. Kind of an intro or kind of a similar skeleton, though. Yeah, but like uh, I definitely feel the loneliness, the lack of human interaction definitely go hand in hand. Right. Yeah. Two different stories. Yep, for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to spoil Catcher in the Rye for anyone, but we are just about to get to the axe murder part. (laughs) Ah, dang it. (laughs) Uh, Like I said, I I probably... I, I probably shouldn't have said anything. Should have been in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, he says, uh, once he leaves, and he says, quote, on my way out of the lobby, I got old Jane Gallagher on the brain again. And Old Jane. Old Jane. And, you know, this is the girl that he visited last summer and had a good time in Stradlater. Uh, just took her out on a date and probably had sex with her, much to Holden's disappointment. And he sits in a vomity green chair in the lobby, and he just kind of starts daydreaming, and he thinks about last summer, and like when he played tennis with Jane, and, and they'd do this in the morning, and they'd golf in the afternoon. And he met Jane because, well, Jane's dog would always pee in Holden's front lawn and Holden's mom was not having it. Um, So she confronted Jane's mom about it. Well, if it was poop, I'd be like, okay, come on, pick it up. But like pee, it's just, I guess I don't have a yard either, but whatever. You know what? You know what? I have been swayed. (laughs) That's the art of the deal, baby. Um, But so one day... Holden, he sees Jane outside and says hi. And he's like, well, I, I really don't care about the dog taking a pee uh, in our yard. It, it really does. It's not a big deal to me. I just want to say hi. And that's kind of what he says. Real smooth talker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I don't care. You, your, dog can, uh, your dog can piss in the living room for all I care. Uh, hell, if it pissed on me, I wouldn't even be mad. Uh, yeah, you know, whatever. It's just, I mean, it's just dog pee, you know? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I just want to say hi to you, Jane. Uh, <laughs> old Jane. That's yeah. what he calls her to her face, too. Oh, you're old Jane Gallagher, right? Old Jane Gallagher <laughs> with the pissing dog, hey? <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, you still keeping your kings in the back row? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I haven't, we haven't uh, discussed that part yet, so... <laughs> Oh, Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You don't know that part of your life yet, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) Holden sees all. Yeah. 
I don't know why it reminds me, but in uh, Slaughterhouse Five, the main character in that he kind of experiences uh, time all at once. So Ooh. he 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 experiences time once he's uh, you know in his bed dying and like uh, uh, when he was in the war and all this other stuff too. Vonnegut, so, yeah. I think keep that on your radar, folks. Uh, this might be a little hint to what's to come in 2021. Um, Who knows? So get that get that Christmas list ready. Yep. Ooh, very nice. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and buy a T-shirt too. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> uh, even if uh, I mean, even if you just want to get something for someone, maybe you don't even care what you're getting them, and you want to spend twenty dollars on it. Get in touch with me. And we'll work something out. Uh, buy them a shirt, you know? They're beautiful. They're a nice, dark, might I say, apple-like red. And um, it's got the writing on the front of the shirt, and it's got the big apple on the back, and they're just wonderful, and they're soft, and they're selling like hotcakes, so get them while you can, baby. Yeah, and they're just fun just in time shirts. For Christmas. Yeah, they're Absolutely. Great, great Christmas present. Yeah. The best, wow. one might say. Yeah, that's what that's what I've been told. I mean, lots of people are talking, and that's yeah, that's what I've heard. Anyway, that that's just what. Good I've plug, heard. <laughs> good plug, Cole. The people have been talking. Wow. Yeah, our first official, our first official plug we got to make on the show. That's incredible. All right, back to Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, but yeah, Jane, really smart girl. She's always reading, uh, and Holden. He shows her Allie's baseball glove, uh, and, sh- and this is the only person he's shown it to. The, uh, and it's the, baseball glove with the notes on it, the poems. The glove itself. His brother would write poetry on it in green pen and read it in the outfield while he was waiting for the game to get going. Uh, for those that may be forgetting a bit, Holden wrote Stradlater's paper about it in part one and ripped it up in front of him because Stradlater was being a big... Uh, dingus about it meanie yeah yep yep uh you know holden he's very connected to this mitt that's for sure yes he is um so for him to do this so oh yeah um but he's seems to be very reserved at times but for him to show jane this it's like oh check out this uh, family loom that we've had, you know, it's like very important. And so one day, Jane and Holden, they're playing checkers on her porch. And he says, quote, all of a sudden, this booze hound her mother was married to came out on the porch and asked Jane if there was any cigarettes in the house. And, you know, he just kind of yells at her twice this question and she ignores him. And she eventually just starts breaking down crying and Holden, he's not quite sure what to do, but it is kind of sweet, but he sits on her lap and comforts her on, on her lap. Well, he says basically on? on her lap, but like, you know, it could have been like maybe, maybe one butt cheek was, I don't know. But sure. Yeah. But he just basically like starts like, you know, hugging her. And then he starts kissing her like, 
all over the face and he tries to get to her lips but she's like oh no no not the lips not the lips Uh (laughs) (laughs) and holden being a respectable man says not the lips not the lips yep um but my forehead your forehead is all game um but so like obviously this father of hers is abusive um we this is the only time we're introduced and we'll see him but yeah holden does comfort her and uh besides that they just hold hands all the time like all the time that's Um, sweet yeah like he's he would always say like you didn't care if your hands were sweating or like your hand hurt like and he says quote all you knew was you were happy you really were end quote very nice and it it really is it's just like you know after all this talk of being like depressed and lonesome it's just like we need to get jane gallagher in your life and get strad later out of the picture he may be putting a bit of a front on in the book you know saying uh, well, he might not say that Jane means as much to him as she does, but we clearly see that once again, once he uh, heard her name out of Stradlator's mouth right away, he's just constantly thinking about her. And yeah. I mean, you can see why, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So once he gets done, like thinking about this, he says, quote, anyways, that's what I was thinking about while I sat in that vomity looking chair in the lobby. And he just like. This anytime he goes on a tangent, he'll just abruptly end it like this. <laughs> Anyways, that's what I was thinking about. Um, and he gets pretty upset about like thinking about her and Stradlater, and he decides he'll go to a nightclub named Ernie's. He says Ernie is a piano player who is very full of himself, you know, according to Holden, and doesn't talk to you unless you're a celebrity. So for some reason, he decides, yeah, this is the place I want to go. (laughs) And he gets in the cab and nobody is out on the street except for a couple or for a couple. They were laughing and Holden says, quote, New York's terrible when somebody laughs on the street very late at night. You can hear it for miles. It makes you feel so lonesome and depressed, end quote. Oh, yep. So once again, going to back, going back to like, yeah, it's a big city and everything, but, you know, can still make you feel, uh, well, even more lonely than you really are. Um, And Holden, he he really likes his cab driver. Um, And he's like, well, we'll we'll, we'll see what he has to say about the ducks. So (laughs) he, 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 uh, he asks about the ducks and, you know, where do they go when they leave for the winter? And then uh, after everything he asks, he's like, what? And then he asks about, like, you know, the lake. And then he's like, the what? And then uh, he asks about the ducks the and what? he's like, the who? <laughs> and then uh, Holden just says, the ducks. Are they taken away by trucks or do they fly away by themselves? How? Where do they go? <laughs> um... Yeah, for anyone unaware of the real-life facts, migration to the south is a myth. They just load all the uh, birds into trucks and just drive them someplace warm. They bring them back to the CIA uh, so they can get yes, the that's, hard drives. That's what I've been 
that's what I've been hearing about. Yeah, they gotta they gotta collect the camera footage off them, you know. Yeah, no, you see, no one wants to talk about it, but on this podcast, we're, we'll talk about it. We've broken ground in so many different ways that we'll just we'll why not break more, you know? Yeah, we, and then so like yeah, Holden's asked after he asks like, well, where do they go? Where do they go? And then the taxi driver's like. How the hell should I know a stupid thing like that? Um, oh, so, kind of harsh. Yeah, just like the ta- other taxi driver. <laughs> and and then for some reason, the taxi driver, he seems to be like pretty knowledgeable on nature, uh, but specifically fish. And then he starts to talk to Holden about the fish. He's like, now if you really want to know something, you should be asking about the fish under the lake. Now the fish... They uh, get all the nutrition through their gills and the seaweed in the winter time, <laughs> and then is that true? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like uh, all, all the seaweed and stuff. Uh, that's where they get their nutrients. Um, but yeah, so once he's done talking about the fish, is he's like holding? He's like, I want to get a drink. Um, and then he refuses and Holden enters Ernie. So he's over two when he asks the cab drivers for a drink. And over three with, I mean, everyone he's asked for a drink in this episode. Yeah. Yep. A lot of rejection, but I mean, like I said earlier, it's not that I think that he wants the rejection or something like that, but I mean, he isn't like, you know, calling up his good friend at two in the afternoon he's calling someone up he didn't even talk to at three in the morning and asking cab drivers who have been very standoffish with him so i mean i'm not entirely sure what he's expecting yeah well like getting drinks that's like his version of like oh this is what grown-ups do um sure which i've been there we we've both been there when we were like 18 19 and went to canada we're like Oh, yeah, dude, this is uh, ordering uh, drinks at the bar. Being 18 and 19 in Canada, the only times I ever drank before I was 21. The only time, because <laughs> it was legal. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Otherwise, I did not touch the stuff. <laughs> oh, Lucas, who's knocking <laughs> on your door? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I mean, you know, it is a it is illegal to drink before the legal drinking. Uh, I hear him already. Hey, Lucas, we have this picture of you drinking uh, underage, <laughs> uh, and it doesn't look like Canada. <laughs> the club it's filled with a bunch of college kids, and it's mostly college kids from Yale, you know, all these fancy schools, whatever. And Ernie, he's putting on a show, but Holden thinks he's phony. Like, he he says, like, oh, he puts this mirror in front of him so he can watch himself play. Uh, And he's, like, a good piano player, but, like, the fact that he has a mirror up, Holden's, like, super judgmental about it. So, once again, they put Holden way back in the corner of this establishment and and it's behind like this big post so he can't see anything (laughs) a big pillar right in the middle of the building yeah and it's just like one of those tables where it's like it's probably like this really tiny table that's in between like one party so he has to like squeeze in between everybody just to get to his table um and 
he actually orders a scotch and soda. Like he's able to get oh, that. Yeah. Yep. So one for he must three. have shown him. He must uh one for four, one I for believe four. it would be. Uh, he must have showed the bartender his gray hairs on the side of his head. Yeah, he don't just, you believe I'm 21? He just uh, completely covered the rest of his face and like just had his gray hair side visible and didn't even like turn mm-hmm. once the waiter came. He's like, scotch and soda. Yeah. <laughs> so Holden, you know, like I said, he's surrounded by all these like phonies. And he calls one of them Joe Yale-looking guy. Uh, and this specific Joe Yale-looking guy is having a boring conversation. But yeah, and there's like a couple other conversations they have that are just like really boring. Uh, this girl comes up to Holden, and she used to be DB's boyfriend. Uh-huh. Uh or DB's girlfriend. <laughs> and uh, uh, she sa- he says, quote, she had some Navy officer with her that looked like he had a poker up his ass. <laughs> mm, ouch. That's got to hurt. Yeah. Yep. I would hate to be a girl and date a military guy. Ugh. Oh, <laughs> especially one with the poker up his ass. Oh, man. <laughs> it would be all you talk about. Uh, yeah. But I'm pretty sure this dude was like in his full uniform. And I don't know. You can't do that anymore. But I guess back in the day you could. Uh, <laughs> so he calls this dude Commander Blop or something. And... <laughs> and uh, like when they shake hands, it, it's one of those guys where he's like, if he doesn't, Holden says like, if he doesn't break like every bone in your wrist, it's not a handshake. <laughs> hey, uh, I can get behind that, buddy. Yeah, we don't, we don't got, we don't all have big meaty claws, okay? Ah, uh, uh, maybe they have. Uh, Holden prefers a good handshake from a R.P. McMurphy type, perhaps. <laughs> Bad Apple callback. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. Get the sound button out. It's been a bad apple callback. Yeah, yep. we're going to get a button made now. Yeah. Oh, that'd be fun. Um, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Holden starts talking to this lady, and uh, he used to be DB's girlfriend. And, like, she's just like, oh, how's, how's DB doing, love? And then uh, she, and then Holden's like, "Oh, he's out in Hollywood now." And she's like, "Oh, that's just marvelous, marvelous." And she keeps on grand. like, "Yeah, grand, marvelous." Uh, but she uses "marvelous" like ten times, and mm-hmm. uh, like when she's asking these things about DB, because like she's starstruck now by well her ex boyfriend, and mm-hmm. <laughs> as she's like asking all these questions, like. She's blocking the walkway for the waiter and, like, everyone else. And, like, uh, so the waiter can't give drinks to anybody. Uh, Holden can tell that, well, the waiter doesn't like her because she must be, like, a frequent there. And, well, neither does the Navy guy. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, she's coming off as kind of, like, snobbish and, like, uh, just owning the room. And... The girl, she insists that Holden joins them, 
but Holden doesn't want to be with them and be, quote, bored to death. And he leaves. Huh. Yeah. So he's sick of it. So once he leaves the old Ernie's, the club, he doesn't really want to get turned down by another cab driver. So he walks the 40, 41 blocks back to his hotel. Holy moly. Yep. And New York blocks. Yep. And it's already like maybe 2, 3 a.m. Well, probably past that now. Um, yeah, it was it was uh, 3 in the morning that he made that first phone call to the lady. I'm going to say it's so, probably more midnight maybe. Now this is probably oh, 2 or 3. okay, sorry. Yeah, there's no like, okay, specific sure. time frame, but we just do know that it's late at night. Uh, cool. So we'll say. Yeah, once again, we're. We're still riding off that initial night of leaving Pensy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he doesn't state like and, a specific time after that, really. And right, the only thing that we really have for an indication is that everyone was going to bed. You know, sleep tight, you morons. <laughs> yeah. And he took a whole train ride after that, and like, yep. you know, the night is young, I guess. But yeah, like I guess the time is just kind of slipping. It seems. For him and for us. <laughs> Very interesting. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You think you think time's slipping for us, too? Uh, well, just me don't know where he's at at all. Like, we're, we're kind of <laughs> lost in time here with old Holden as our guide. <laughs> we are. Yep. But, yeah, like, he's walking and he pulls down his red hunting cap. And he once again, he says, quote, I didn't give a damn how, how I looked. And it's just like, cool, Holden, everyone's asleep now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, you do what you want, man. It's it's cool. And he doesn't have gloves, and it's really cold. And he doesn't have these gloves because someone at Pensy stole them. And he imagines a scenario where he confronts them and roughs them up a bit. But once he goes on, like, a one-page rant about this, he's like, but I wouldn't really do that because I'm too much of a coward. Um, hmm. At the hotel, he gets in the elevator, and the elevator operator, his name's Maurice, old Maurice, um, and this hmm. guy. Yeah. Aforementioned. Yep. Aforementioned. I, I really don't know. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> But he asks if he wants to have a good time. And Holden, he's the only one in the elevator, but he says, uh, who? Me? Mm. <laughs> and uh, Maurice, he asks if he wants to have a throw for five bucks or 15 bucks for the whole night with a, with a prostitute. Oh, so that's what he meant when he asked if he wanted to have a good time. Haven't you ever, uh, you know, tried to jump on the elevator when it was just reaching the floor and then you jump up like 10 times higher or something like that? Maybe maybe that's what he was asking. Well, I mean, it wasn't, but... Uh, yeah, like an amusement Have you never ride. done that before? Yeah, like where you jump while it's going down and you flow in the air for a second. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Yep, no, Maurice, we'll see. Uh, he's, he, well, kind of a bad person. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Holden's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And 
but he feels very depressed and he says, uh, I'll get a throw. And he just, he, he just said it to like, say it. Like he was just like so depressed and tired. Like he just said something. That's how he described it. Prop- and probably also just, I don't know, maybe wanting to be down with the lingo for some reason or other. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I guess I'll have a throw. Yep. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. Sounds like what an adult would do. Kind of does. Yeah. Not me, though. Stay away from me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Holden, he enters the his room. And, you know, he gets he gets a bit prepared. He wets his hair, he brushes his teeth, he puts on a new shirt and everything. And he's pretty nervous because, like we said, he is a virgin. He says he's had lots of opportunities, but then, you know, he's like, well, then the parents walk in. And then there's another girl in the car when you're about to have sex with the other girl in the car. But really, we're in the car the whole time with this other girl. So, uh, you know, he's had, like, all these quote, you know, finger quote opportunities, but it just seems like uh, you really didn't plan, make any plans to have sex. But mostly, uh, like we are saying earlier, like anytime that he's made like a real attempt, the girl just tells him no and he stops. Eventually, someone does knock on the door and <laughs> he walks up to it, but in, on the trip, on the way there, he trips on a suitcase. Uh hmm. So kind of funny. And he's like, of course that would happen right when I'm about to open up the door. And so he opens it and says, how do you do? And he says he's suave as hell, boy, (laughs) when he Mm -hmm. said that. Um, And he lets her in, but she is like really rude and around his age. Um, So 16. And uh, Holden, he introduces himself as Jim Steele. Don't know who that is. Cool name. <laughs> Jim Iron. <laughs> what it they... makes me think of, um, <laughs> it makes me think of, um, on the Simpsons when Homer gets his name off of a, uh, hairdryer, Max Power. <laughs> well, that was like one of the earlier seasons, right? I believe so. Yeah. Oh man. I'm about to rewatch yeah, that's, that. That's just... Good, clean humor. Yeah, the Simpsons, they, I mean, it's some of the most clever humor until after the sixth or seventh season, then it just kind of goes crazy. Yeah, man, those first couple are some, those, those first couple are unlike anything else. Yeah, they're really good. From what I've seen anyway. Yeah, like the whole time, like. She gets in there. She asks Holden right away, like, do you have a watch on you? Like, she's obviously on on the clock, whatever. And yep. she's, she asks him this, like, five times. And, like, Holden the whole time is just trying to have a conversation because he thinks it's just kind of weird. This girl's going to hop right on into sex. And right. uh, Holden, he says that, you know, he's not feeling like himself tonight and – he doesn't feel like having sex so she gets up and sits on his lap and holden has like the worst excuse ever and he says oh i i had an operation on uh my uh my, my clavichord and 
It hits oh, something wow. in the spine. Uh, you really should be careful after clavicord operations, though. I mean, I've I've heard plenty of horror stories. You know, you don't want to do a whole lot of um, uh, heavy lifting or anything like that after having surgery. There, you know, not at least for a couple weeks. Yeah, and for the uninitiated, the clavicord is uh, <laughs> the upper part of your spinal column. Um, Actually, no, no. Okay. <laughs> so I googled. <laughs> I googled it, and uh, a clavic- you tricked me, huh? Uh, you tricked me. Oh, trick or treat, ha ha. Uh, <laughs> gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. But uh, <laughs> but no, a clavichord is actually uh, it's a type of piano that was used in the 1600s, I think. I was going to say it sounded like an instrument. Yeah, but it, it kind of sounds like clavicle, clavicle <laughs> but that's just like, you know, your your uh, shoulder, up by your shoulder there. Um, right. And so, yeah. This has been your anatomy lesson for the day. <laughs> your clavicle is in your eye. Uh, it's just somewhere in your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Isn't it? You know what? No, I don't know enough to actually talk about this. Move on or carry on. <laughs> it's the it's the bone that points out, like right above your pec, like your chest oh. muscle. It's that big, long bone, and it can break really easily. Ouch! Yep. Owie. But yeah, once again, like he has this uh, excuse where he's like, "Oh, I had this operation just like with the train ride." Um, total lie but they go back and forth and like you know holden's like i don't want to have sex i just want to talk and then uh you know he legit does want to talk to somebody uh he's very depressed um but the prostitute does not want to (laughs) no she does not which uh i don't know i guess that you know she asks about the watch right away because she's worried about wasting time but doesn't that also sound like uh a nice way to mix things up is just taking the money and having whatever a little bit of a conversation perhaps take a bit of a break yeah yeah um i I just don't know the that world i guess you know it's just right you know she just says like you're wasting my time and eventually she gets off his lap and he pays her five dollars like maurice said uh, for a five dollars for a throw jack yep and but she just keeps on demanding for 10 uh even though it's not what the charge was holden's like no and she has holden grab her coat for her in her high-pitched rude voice like he describes her voice as like this really like standoffish i already said high-pitched but like it it's like uh Shrill. yeah like it, it's just kind of a annoying and like she she says uh as she's exiting she says so long crumbum and yeah mm. she gets out of there that's a new one crumbum yep so sex, crumb sexy sexy bum yep yeah like she even though she was holding the holden's age he was like yeah she's really just a monster <laughs> like uh <laughs> he was not a fan of her so Holden, he just sits in a chair and smokes until the morning sun rises. 
he thinks about a time when he didn't let his little brother Allie, who passed away, um, and like he didn't let him come to shoot BB guns one time when he was doing that with his friends when Holden was doing that. So now when he gets depressed, he always like speaks out loud and as if he's reliving this memory. He's like, "Yeah, it's all right, Allie. Just come on ahead." Because this is the only time he excluded Allie from anything, and he felt really bad. So that is like really sad that, like you know, he's like talking to his brother like a lot, saying, "Oh yeah, just come on down. We'll we'll go play." Uh, but it's too late. Um, yep. Holden, he feels like praying, and then, you know, we're gonna go on a rant here. Uh, well, uh, tangent. And, uh, but he can't bring himself to do it. And he says, yeah, I'm sort of an atheist. Uh, I like Jesus and all, but, uh, not so much the other people. I mean, he doesn't really like the disciples for some reason. He says that big Jesus guy though. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I would imagine at that time too, is pretty controversial to be atheist, but you know, he's like, <laughs> but I remember like when, uh, I first got onto Reddit and like, you know, there was the subreddit of atheist and it was just like the edgiest thing you could be on. <laughs> so in this uh, moment, I am euphoric. Yeah. He starts to talk about Jesus and, you know, he is a fan of the guy. He, he really does love Jesus. But like I said, he doesn't like the disciples. He just kind of doesn't really think they helped him that much or something. And <laughs> Uh, especially towards the end there. Um, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> but he he says that uh, he does like, quote, lunatic that lived in the tombs and kept cutting himself with stones. I huh. have no idea who this was, but Jaboy, uh, he, he did a little bit of research and so it's actually a really badass story and it's just kind of like... Ooh. I really do want to cover some parts of the Bible because this is really cool. Jesus, he basically sails across the sea or something, and he comes to visit this. Uh, this is a quote from the Bible. Like, this isn't mentioned in the story. Like, it ends with him saying, like, yeah, I like this guy that cuts himself with stones. Uh, but this is, like, the sto actual story in the Bible. And so Jesus comes to visit this guy with a unclean, an unclean spirit, just meaning that, well, he's got some demons in him. And so he's chained up in these tombs, and he actually escapes despite being shackled down, chained down very heavily, because he, every day he's just been cutting away at his shackles with these stones. Jesus... He approaches him and asks what his name is, and he responds, quote, My name is Legion, for we are many. Huh. Very cool. A legion of demons, and like a legion itself is like thousands of Roman soldiers. So there's like thousands of demons living in this dude. And Jesus, he casts the demons out of this man, and instead of like sending them to the ground or anything, he sends them to 2,000 pigs nearby who all drown themselves in the sea. <laughs> so, oh, what a waste. <laughs> yeah. And uh, after this, like, 
Well, it was really cool because you always hear, oh, a, a demon needs to tell you its name before you exercise it or whatever. You see that here. Uh, if we may look at, if we may look at one of the most specific examples being the 1973 classic, The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Yep. And the I, I forget the exact name of the demon in that movie, but they call him Captain Howdy at one point. Really, Captain yep. Howdy. I like that name. That, Captain Howdy. That is fun. Yeah. Yep. Um. But yeah. So like after this, Jesus like just tells the man who's like he's good now, he's demon free. But he says, yep. uh, "Now you tell all those pig farmers that are all pissed at me because I drowned like their life savings." Uh, you tell them that Jesus Christ saved you and that this was a miracle. <laughs> so, Very good. Yeah, and then Jesus kind of just sails off. But <laughs> My work here is done. Yeah, I can't replace the pigs, but, you know, I got the demons out. Um, yep. But, yeah, this is actually really interesting for many reasons because Holden, he sees himself as this legion guy, this... Well, not just this man that's infected by Legion who has multiple demons, whether it be Allie who has died and he's still dealing with that. And, uh, you know, he's like shackled uh, from this stuff. And even though like society is still like trying to chain him to this path, Holden, he breaks free and he, he's not having any chains of uh, well maturity hold him down. So. Yep. Uh, that's that's all I got. That is... Uh, I never heard of that story in the Bible before, so that is a very interesting thing to take away from it because I, um, I probably just read right over that and didn't give it a second thought. But once again, we've done the biblical research on the show before. Well, you have, and uh, well, it's bound to happen again. Yeah, we'll you know? do it again because, well, yep. Jesus, he... He makes his rounds in books, so we can say that. Bestseller. <laughs> Just drowns those, drowns the pigs and sails right yep. off. See you later. Yep. Sorry about the pigs. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, I, I thought about it too. Like, when I was writing this up, I was like, oh, that was nothing. But then I was like, uh, this story sounds pretty cool. So I'm going to look into it. And yeah, it's about Legion. Uh, and it, it just sounds very specific. Yeah. So yeah, it was a uh, or Holden's mentioning of it is specific enough to, you know, draw the eye perhaps. No. No, you might be wondering, well, where did the Bible get this story from? And well, it's from the X-Men universe, Lucas. Legion on FX. Uh, he is uh, he inspired this story in the bible so uh, you know the tv show about the chicken egg uh well legion in the x-men universe he is schizophrenic he has multiple personalities uh hence legion so he is uh you know he's got multiple demons and actually in the show it, sh it shows the demons and they're pretty scary Huh. Yep, so they're pretty fun. Um, very fun. But yeah, we'll, we'll get back on track. Um, but very cool, very cool stuff there. And so Holden, he's just in his pajamas. 
and somebody starts knocking on the door. We know it's not going to be good. And he opens it, and it's old Sonny and Maurice. The, he says, quote, the pimpy elevator guy. <laughs> and they're just standing there. Um, Maurice, he does all the talking and says that Holden owes them another five. Holden, you know, for once, he's going to stand his ground here and says that the price was uh, five bucks for a throw, not ten. So interesting time to do it too. a uh, potentially dangerous time to stand your ground yeah. because you don't know who this guy is. And he's really big. Like yeah. he is a little bit taller than Holden, I think, but you know, he's got a lot of pounds on it. Oh, yeah. uh, and you'd think Holden would learn a lesson from Stradlater that incident, but we'll find out here. <laughs> um, and so they go back and forth and eventually Maurice takes his shirt off and it exposes his really hairy belly and says, hmm. and after everything he says, he says, let's have it chief. And uh, like after like every thing he says, he's like, you know, where's the money? Come on, just hand it over chief. Uh, he says that yeah. all the time. And eventually he pins Holden against the wall. And Sonny, uh, as he's doing this, after, as Holden's being pinned against the wall, Sonny's like, hey, here's his wallet, and grabs it. Holden just starts to cry, and he calls them crooks because, well, they took the money. Just another five. Yeah. And, That's fair. You know, Sonny, she tries to make Maurice leave because Holden just called him a dirty moron. Maurice, he asks, what am I? And then uh, Holden calls him a dirty moron again and says that Maurice will be begging for change in the near future. <laughs> <sighs> so <laughs> Maurice, he punches him in the stomach and they both leave the room. Maurice and the and Sonny, the prostitute. Holden, he while he's on the floor, you know, trying to recover from this, he imagines himself as a gangster shooting Maurice with like a machine gun, maybe a Tommy gun, you know, it's black and white. Mm. And he's just like, your time is up or something. Um, and shoots him. Right. He finally tries to go to sleep, but he says he feels like committing suicide and jumping out the window. And he ends this chapter by saying, quote, but I didn't want a bunch of stupid rubbernecks looking at me when I was all gory. And that's where we'll end this part of Catcher in the Rye. Wow. Once again, Cole, fantastic job on the write-up. It's like we're reading the book all over again. Yep. Yep. And more. A little bit more, too. Uh, but, yeah. And just a little bit more. Um, did you have any closing thoughts on part two of Catcher in the Rye before we got to the old, the old end bit of the show? Um, I forgot to mention this, but this will be covering chapters 8 through 14. That's the one interesting thing about the book is, uh, 
I'm not sure about every single one of ours before this being sectioned off into parts, but Crime and Punishment was very easy to divide for episodes because it was just a nice solid part one through part six with the epilogue at the end. But Catcher in the Rye just starts and doesn't stop, just like Holden's um, days leading up to the end of the book, you know? Yeah. It's just beat by beat by beat. There is no break in the action. And this uh, part that capped off this chapter here in particular is pretty um, pretty action-packed, I would say. Old Maurice, you know what I mean? They come to try to shake him down, and Holden stands his ground, but it is all for naught. And we're seeing that more and more Holden is feeling a little bit suicidal, depressed. His mental state is definitely deteriorating but yeah like we'll we'll see how that fares out in the next few episodes but yeah he gets well once again roughed up quite a bit yeah that that's it for part two part three will be coming next week did you have any lingering thoughts um pretty much just what i said i think i got everything off my chest that i wanted to while we were doing the whole discussion but um you can follow us over on the instagram at the bad apple book club and you know you can once again message us through there if you wanted to get a hold of one of these wonderful shirts i mean i know we're talking about these things a lot but if you had a hold of one of these you probably wouldn't stop talking about it either you know what i mean just in time for christmas just in time for someone's birthday you know message us Message me, I guess. They're made with love. We can say that much. They are. I haven't been able to kiss all of them, but Lucas, you you said you kissed all of them. Thanks for doing that. It, it's the every small things. last shirt. Yep. Indeed. So, but yeah, as always, thank thank you guys so much for listening. It's uh, thank you. Uh, I think four parts uh, is going to be it for this guy. So we'll... cannot wait to discuss more of this book with you next time. Can't wait to um, dive deeper into the story of Holden Caulfield and see where this whole thing ends up. Same. Well, can't wait to discuss it because I we already right. know. Um, well, I mean. But they don't know that. True, true, true. <laughs> so tune in. Uh, just tune in. Yeah. Yep. Tune in and find out. Yeah. Um, otherwise, Cole, if you didn't have anything else to say, I think uh, I think all I got to say is uh, everyone out there, be safe again and buy a shirt. Auf Wiedersehen. That means see you later in German.
and then if you have trouble with that podcast, you call me. Of course. You know. Oh yeah. I can always do nothing with it. <laughs>